welcome. Welcome to Big Screen Auckland's Film Fest Auckland 2011 wrap-up episode, for want of a better word. We're running a bit behind, actually. I'm pretty sure all the other fucking publications and shit have already done there, but actually most of Auckland's probably forgotten the Film Fest even happened. <laughs> yeah, but we're live. We're fresh. We're in new media. We take longer than print. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Our last few have been Film Fest related. Rapid we actually recorded seven during the fest itself. The fucking editor which is myself, decided to ignore our rules about not editing and edit them. So we're way behind on those as well. Sorry about that. That's but we right. thought we'd better cram a wrap-up out. Quick pronto. Yeah, totally. I'm pretty excited about it. But what we're going to do is we're going to do a few top five lists, namely favourite fucked up moments, favourite characters, favourite scenes, and then finish with a favourite overall movies of the fest list. And at the end, we'll pull our heads out of the film fest world for a second and run down what's been going on outside of that. We're not going to go into depth on anything, but we may have spoiled some shit because we're clumsy and we, passionate. We very well, mate. We <laughs> but we should give them some basics first, like, um, hey, Nige, how many films did you see over that fortnight? <laughs> no, that fortnight's not fair. Like 17 days. <laughs> I saw 62. The plan was 69. I got a little bit tired. Amateur. <laughs> 62 films. What's that put your average to over the year, say, if there was any way to track that on like a day-to-day ratio? What's that put your average to, Nigel? Do you mean like if, say, I kept really anal spreadsheets? We've established that. Right. I can't tell you off the top of my head, but I think we're up to like day 215 of 2011, and I think I've seen 222, maybe? Uh, that's a, that's Roughly, a, give or take. That's not bad. That's at least a film a day, right? That means <coughs> I've got some kind of presence on this thing. Like, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Ask anyone. You're the expert. Bro, on this podcast, <laughs> I only saw 32. I know, right? I wonder why I didn't see you there. It's embarrassing. <laughs> I was too busy watching Sopranos reruns. 32 in 17 days. That's pretty fucking good, man. Abysmal effort. But I mean, not just. What that. was it last year? Uh, last year I was broke, so like 10, 11. Ah, right, yeah, yeah. Year before that, I think it was my peak at like 22. Ah. So I pushed out by 10 more. But more than that, the lovely Chiaki caught like 11 or 12, I think, in the end. Mm. Two flatmates caught 16 each, I think. Two friends caught 20 each, just about. Jake caught how many? 30? Yeah. Doug and everyone else obviously caught ridiculous amounts. Well, you can listen to their fucking podcast for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's a hell of a lot of films covered. We're really narrowing it down when we talk about top tens here, so it's going to be quite subjective. Mm. We I did wonder what the crossover will be. That's going to be interesting. We haven't discussed this actually to lay that out there. This is this is going in blind for each of us. Actually, now's probably a good time to mention that I planned this episode, planned all my lists, and after I'd spent hours getting all my lists ready, I sprung it on Corey 20 minutes ago. Can you make some top lists? That's all right, man. I had my top movies down to the nth degree, right down to number 32, which I just about revealed now. Do you number 32? My worst, my hated film i might start from the bottom and move up just every now and then it was the woman it was terrible it could be my number 62 anyway we don't need to elaborate there you go that's a little tidbit you're only gonna see the tops maybe get one more later on as a treat and would rather we release this after the wellington fest i imagine that's all right by the time the cats listen you know anyway yeah what a good fest though hanging out in the winter garden driving in and out getting some good city parking a couple of hiccups through projection faults. A fucking stunning amount, but I think I, I like what you pointed out earlier, that it's because we're seeing like a year's worth of films in two weeks, you notice all this thing, and you're like, it's happening every day. But that's because we're seeing yeah. so many fucking films. Yeah, you see four a day. Yeah, if it happened three times a year, you probably wouldn't even notice. But And these are not crisp, packaged, American, itemized film camps coming. These have just been flown from where they were projected in Berlin, you know, whatever it is. So. And you're also not watching like screening number 57 in the cinema. If you're at the 10.30 a.m. of a Captain America, like on a Tuesday, maybe it's the first time that dude's played it, you know? He yeah. might stuff it up somewhere. By the time you go to the 9.30 p.m. screening, he's got it down. He knows there's that notch. On in week four? Yeah, yeah on week <laughs> Exactly. 
a bit of a click fingers like we're hipsters to the film fest as well. I give it mad props. I fucking loved it. I said to Bill, this is my favourite fortnight of the year. Let's call it a fortnight. I was in heaven. But one of the things I relate heavily with the film fest is fucked up shit. Stuff you don't see even if you're going to everything during the year at the art houses and the multiplexes. Yeah. Most of the fucked up shit of the year happens during either this or the movie marathon. And it's generally um, under Ant's banner. <laughs> true. So I thought we'd run down our top most fucked up things I saw that I enjoyed and that's including either gore or just what the fucks. You too? Is that how you've done your list? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I've done my list. I'll race through my 10 to 6 and then I'll announce my number 5 then you do your 10 to 6 and announce your number 5. Sound good? Yeah, absolutely. The most enjoyable fucked up shit I saw this fest. Number 10 I've got in Gantz there was a bloodbath in a garage. 10 guys on one and it was like blood dripping from the ceiling and shit. It was ridiculous. There was like far too much blood. There was no way that could have fit in those people. It was awesome. Nice. Uh, number 9 I've got a kill list there was a scene with a hammer that i've seen scenes with a hammer before this was this was quite the scene how did they film that <clears throat> number eight i've got i saw the devil the entire thing i couldn't pick out certain scenes once again smashing his hand with a hammer my, one of my favorite scenes was when he was driving that girl and he patted back he was looking for a pipe behind her seat <laughs> it was fantastic before it led to the gruesome number seven slip sliding around in the blood and cold fish uh with the half a corpse Number six, point blank bow and arrow from 13 Assassins. It wasn't like gory to look at sort of so much, but that's fucked up. I totally enjoyed that. And yeah, now to my number five. I can't say much about it, unfortunately, but the end of Kill List. The end of Kill List. That was fucked up. Do you want to run down your 10 to 6 and then announce your number five? Totally. I've split mine, actually. Mine are sort of five gore-based fucked up and five things I wasn't expecting in films. So I'll give you the five I wasn't expecting in films in a rapid fire. More like a what the fuck moment. Yep. The way he ate potatoes and the turret horse. <laughs> <laughs> That's a what the fuck. The kid with the bike when he has his fight with her in the salon and pricks her with the scissors. Mm-hmm. Nice scene. John C. Riley going mental in his principal's office in Terry. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to see that. When she has sex in a pipe at the end of Tiny Furniture. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten about that. That shouldn't have happened. <laughs> and Travis Bickle and, and Scorsese having a chat in the back of the cab. I'd seen it and totally forgot that happened. That, that was, was like a, that a, was a brand good... new surprise for you. Like a yeah. special feature. Like, what the fuck is this doing in here? <laughs> That's how that sneaks in. Uh, number five, I'll rock cold fish. The whole thing, actually, cold fish was a bit, yeah, was a bit all over the place. But I did enjoy the Hawaiian shop owner's manic introduction when he first meets them and just talks and talks and talks and leads yeah, the way like, and says the girl's gonna live here and you're my business partner and <laughs> you're like, what is this film I'm watching? Yeah, exactly. Number four, tiny scene, but in the last circus, he's buried himself in a cave and a deer almost feeds himself to the character. It's very, very strange. Like uh, Bambi, he stands up proud on this top of this mound with his antlers in the sunlight and he collapses into the guy's cave so he can eat him. It's really strange. <laughs> Moving on. Nice, nice. I've got the Yellow Sea, Mr. Myun, beating his way out of the attack on his lair with that bone. <laughs> That's absolutely perfect. I've got that as my number three. That was quite a scene. Yeah, I mean, that film was absolutely chonker with incredible scenes. Yeah. But that one was quite what the fuck. Because you've seen them go at each other with hatchets and knives and there's just cutting and blood everywhere. And then when he gets caught in his boxer shorts, in his bed, he's like scrambling for something. Exactly. And <laughs> he gets a he, thigh bone. But he still keeps the look on his face as one of not, I need to commit cold bloody murder, but indignant at being woken up. Like, it's just like quite scornful <laughs> at having to put up with that's when he's in his boxes. The look he's wearing. Oh, here we go. Grab my bone. 
And he's just squelching dudes' heads and just pounding them over and over again with it. Is it a thigh bone? What yeah, something it? like that. They had a big cook up the night before, so it was perfectly propped there to the next. <laughs> that was my three, so you go number three. A certain scene from I Saw the Devil, there was heaps in it, absolutely. Mm. But I recall I like it, the greenhouse, the first time he catches up with him, I think. Mm-hmm. That was good. One it thing was... I really loved about that scene was that they were quite unevenly matched. Yeah. They were both cocky as fuck, like, I'm going to win. But it was pretty obvious who was going to win. Yeah, totally. But yeah, it became pretty brutal. That's when you first realise it was like, he's going to catch him at, oh, he's fucking with him. <laughs> yeah. We're about to have a different sort of movie here. <laughs> that was nice. And my number two, it's back to Cold Fish, obviously. It was, you knew a lot of these were going to be from I Saw the Devil or Cold Fish, the two serial killer movies of yep. the first. I hate sex scenes. I would just rather they just cut sex scenes out. There's one sex scene in the back of a station wagon where he makes the dude have sex with his chick and the guy's really not playing along. So the dude's pushing his ass, like thrusting his ass to make sure he does it. It's bizarre. That was on my list. I overrode it, but yeah, Dan, that was good. I'll go with Hands in the Lawnmower and Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh, I'd forgotten about that too. Hands in the Lawnmower. Do you need to describe anything more about that? That does it. That's enough. (laughs) Where do you you think fingers go? That's why you have gore effects (laughs) for a film that wasn't trying. (laughs) Oh, controversial. (laughs) It's snucking down there. I'll jump to my number one. It's from Hobo with a Shotgun. (laughs) Prying the manhole open with her exposed arm bone. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. I felt that, actually. That topped my list just because that's the one I felt. She just had all her arm ripped off. And from her elbow up, it was just bone. And she needed to lift a manhole cover. So she plugs her bone in and pries it out with... Enough. Yeah. Our two scenes lead into each other. They do. That was buzzy. This looks planned. I have one. It was the year of the truncated endings. Just a... Both, ah, that's a great answer. Both Martha, Marcy May, Marlene, and Meeks Cutoff come to mind. Potentially terrible things going to happen. Take shelter, guy meddling on a park bench. If I went through my list, I could probably list 15. Yeah, it, just it was totally the year of it. Exactly. Yeah, good call. The twist was, it's credits now. And it's probably going to go like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> that was a what the fuck. Good list. And you got some special mentions. There are a couple that I really wanted to fit in my list, but couldn't. A piece of gore I've never seen before. In the last circus, he was in the movie theater talking. This is why this needs to go in this. There's a guy talking in the movie theater. Someone got up to tell him to shut the fuck up. He grabbed his hand, like by the top of his four fingers, and bent his hand back so far, his palm snapped in the middle. (laughs) And blood came out the middle of his palm. Oh, awesome. It was the most original <laughs> spurt of blood I'd ever seen. I wanted to chuck in, once again from Hobo, hacksawing her neck. Fuck, that looked real. Yeah, that was really good looking. Did they just sacrifice an actress for that shot? Or what was that? Maybe she was the world's thinnest necked actress and they had like a cow wrapped around her. <laughs> I was very, very impressed. Yeah. And back to Bizarre What the Fuck. A special shout out to, in the Animation Now collection, they had a Japanese short called In a Pig's Eye that was fat Japanese people doing weird things like a dude covered in really thin sliced ham and someone would peel them off and then slap them back on. And you're just watching like 10 minutes of scenes of what the fuck. Radical. Should we plow into... uh, Favourite characters at the film fest. Totally. Regardless of which films we love. I'm a pretty big character guy in general, so I'm often in love with characters more than I am with films themselves. Do you want to start? Absolutely. Characters 10 through 6. Jiro from Jiro Dreams of Sushi. I missed that one. He was a dedicated 
old man who just like did nothing but live, eat and breathe sushi. He was like, get up at 5 a.m. Don't be such a softy. Every real man gets up at 5 a.m. Go to work. Work till 7 p.m. Don't be <laughs> such a girl. Work till 7. What's wrong with you? Don't watch TV. Dedicate your life to your job sort of shit. Nice. He's a impressive old man. Sounds cool. Lots of laughter in the theatre. Enough at little parts. But yeah, no, it was... You were digging him. I was digging him. <laughs> John C. Riley again, is the principal from Terry. Yep. He was pretty good. I wasn't expecting to see him. Actually. Good role for him. A lot of the time you see him as Will Ferrell's sidekick. I do like seeing him out by himself doing his own thing. Totally. The Indian from Meg's Cutoff. Cool. He was good, man. I've got a pension for that sort of shit. <laughs> and then I'll throw Max Shrek as a Nosferatu from mm. Nosferatu. That was real good seeing that. How did he have such bulgy eyes all the time? Back in 1922, how did they make him not blink? Yeah, man. That was just... <laughs> he just locked himself into rigor mortis and acted. And like, no. Nobody had thought to do it back then. And, you know, you watch Citizen Kane and admire a crane shot. That was like the first time someone decided to act almost. Like, he was like, oh, I'm going to be a monster. I should go crazy <laughs> on my shit. And it worked. He was unique. Number six. Coldfish, the Hawaiian store owner. Right. What's his name? I totally can't remember. Yeah, I've totally forgotten as well. We haven't prepared these lists too well. We're just so passionate about it. Absolutely. <laughs> I know who you mean. If they've seen it, they'll know who you mean. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, go and see Coldfish, the Hawaiian fish store owner. He was radical. And number five is, um, you're blowing my mind. That dude from <laughs> Fink's Cutoff. The leader of the good guys, so to speak. Yeah? The leader of the it's rational. about him. Just like rational and had his head screwed on and shit. Played a sort of second fiddle part. Nice. I was rooting for him and all he was about. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, number 10, I've got John C. Riley from Terry. Just a unique creation, I thought, as the school headmaster trying to get on with the kids. He didn't seem to do any other work. <laughs> He just seemed to deal with the troubled kids. It's perfect award, actually, because you needed to give that guy something, even though he's such a small part of that film. needs to be rewarded. Yeah. Top 10 characters is the way to do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Number nine, I had uh, John Hawkes as Patrick in Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene. I loved his speech and a little song he did. They actually stopped while he did a full acoustic number that I've got to try and download. Yeah. He was magical. As magical as he was in Winter's Bone as Teardrop, but a completely different character. So, big ups to him. Number eight, I've actually got the troll hunter. The actual, I don't know his name, the guy who was the hunter in that troll movie, the troll hunter. Yeah. I loved his gruffness and the way he straight-faced did everything. And he even had lots of one-liners, like when they brought that Muslim girl on. Yeah. Muslims are okay, right? He's like, I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> Number seven, I've got the main person from Tabloid, the documentary. Oh, yeah. She was 90% of the screen time speaking to the camera. She was fucking fantastic. So American. Big bulgy eyes. She was doing Korean impressions. She was doing all sorts of stuff, telling her own story, making a fucking dick of herself. She was wonderful. <laughs> she was glorious to behold. Nice. Number six, I've got a tie, actually. I've got a couple of cheeky ties on here. I'll put... um. Robert De Niro and Harvey Keitel from Taxi Driver. Oh, nice. They made a good pairing. Yeah. <laughs> I know Keitel wasn't in it that much. No, but that scene was... Those two characters were just blew me away. Even, like I said, this is like my fourth or fifth time. Still so good. Okay, my number five, probably a pretty underappreciated one, I think. In Guilty Pleasures... It was a documentary about the Mills and Boone steamy romance novels. Yep. And it followed a writer who was a chick, but actually when they film it, it's like this old English dude writing under a pseudonym. It follows a cover model and it follows three fans, one in the UK, one in Japan, and one in India. This thing totally branches off and starts following all their partners instead. By the end, it's not even related to what it started with. They just happen to find three characters through this initial premise. The husband of the UK lady was one of the funniest fucking guys I've ever seen. <laughs> he was like a Carl Pilkington. Wow. But a real one. 
Is that why that? she reads? Corey thinks Carl Pilkington is not real. Is that why she reads Mills and Booth? Maybe <laughs> to cover up him. And it's funny that interviewing him is like a mocking her, like your wife reads Mills and Boone. How do you feel about that? And he's answering, but he's way weirder than she is. He's nice. my number five. Nice. Don't know his name. My number four was yes, Hunter from Troll Hunter. Oh, nice. He was stunner. Really good character. Yeah, super cool. So straight-faced. Yeah. <laughs> he first runs out of that forest. Like, he ignores him the entire film, and then the first time you see any animation from him. Trolls! <laughs> Did he say trolls? Yeah, that was real good. I thought I was doing well. Why have they not known? Of course he said trolls. They're in a film called Troll Hunter. Come on. <laughs> yeah. There's no maybes. He was a unique character, and I think a lot of these... Um, if you were to list all of those found footage things, like Cloverfield, Blair Witch, Paranormal Activity, one of the biggest flaws... Is the characters always suck. They're all whiny because it's the only way to be on tape. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> he was genius. They've tried to have like great white hunters before in films. The one in Jurassic Park was pathetically bad, I always thought. If they put a him in Jurassic Park, it would have been awesome. <laughs> if they remake it, which they will, he could be in it. True, they will. My number four is a cop-out. It's the Hawaiian fish store owner from Cold Fish. Nice. Just, he's too good to pass up. He's scary. He's hilarious. <laughs> he's like a grown child. But he's freaky as fuck. Yeah, amazing. When he first leers at her, when he sends him back to the office and says, you stay, <laughs> and he just pours all over her. And <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking weird. <laughs> Number three, I've got Patrick Hawks, mm. Martha Marcy May Marlene. It's quite high. Yeah. That scene when they get caught and the... And he's just like, hey man, we're not doing anything. We're, we're leaving, you know, whatever. But he does that death is love speech and you nearly buy into it. You can see how the characters buy into it as like a cult leader because he doesn't come over like a freak. He just talks in yeah. nice words and nice yeah. tones and convinces you around. Exactly. But then you see by the end of it, one, he's having sex with the girls when they rock in, but two, like how fast is he getting in that bathroom by manipulating one of the others to pretend to be? Like when he darts in that bathroom, it's yeah. literally fucking like she's been in there for seconds and then like, <laughs> yeah, man. He had control over that house. When you watch the start of it and she runs and you're thinking, did she need to run at all? You know, was she ever free to go? And then by the time you see the end of it, it's like she just got away. Good point. For number three, I've got another cheeky double. It's um, the parents from Submarine. Oh, nice. I really love the dad, um, that Aussie dude. He just had so many good lines. But I got to chuck it in as a duo because Sally Hawkins delivering the uh, what she did in the back of the van was just yeah perfection. <laughs> Those two were so fucking funny. I would have been as screwed up as that kid if I had had those two parents. Yeah, absolutely. Fucked in the head. That kid was good. He nearly made this list. My number two, I've got Mr. Muin and his whole story in The LOC, as well as a special mention to the guy we follow as well, who was pretty good. <laughs> I'll let you animation. take this one. That's my number two as well. The LOC duo I've got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This those was, two this are was incredible. sort of a double, yep. Mr. Moon especially. I, I already knew them from The Chaser. Um, they play the main two in The Chaser as well. Completely different characters. And they were both brilliant in that as well. It's those two actors who I'd never seen before acting as a duo again. Totally different and totally lovable again. Like, I couldn't tell who to root for. Yeah. Sorry, I said I'll let you take it and then talk to her. No, no, that was the gist of it, man. I was going to say, every scene on that film that I loved was one of them being awesome. Yeah. That's how that film went. It was scenes strung together with those two. And they never really met again after the middle. Uh. You know what I mean? Do they ever meet again? 
Mjuln's dealing with his own shit. And next time Gunnar comes back in contact, he's crashing that van. Yeah, they, they split apart for the whole film. Pretty much. Until it's the big... But when you get scenes, like you said earlier, about Gunnar like, eating all the time, and you've got Mr. Mjuln, for example, when he's in the airport on the phone to that dude, yeah. it's like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? He's so funny. Hello? What, what the f- yeah, exactly. Is your boss retarded? Incredible duo. But that's my number two as well. So, so I'll rock straight to my one. number one. I give it to Martha and Martha Marcy made Martha. my lead. Yeah. Not only was I smitten, I thought she was <laughs> incredible. When she was in the camp as well, how the sort of nature she showed, the side of her she showed, mm-hmm. lovely and soft and friendly to how she was reacted with her sister and then again when she was alone with the guy. Yeah, yeah. And then when she was fucking wigging out. Were you as big a fan of the Olsen twins as you were of their little sister? That's not funny. Oh, sorry. I used to watch Full House and they were terrible, isn't it? <laughs> She didn't make my list at all, but I'm, I'll go with that. She was really fucking good. Yeah. And apparently she's got a few more stunners coming up. Like, she filmed, like, three stunners in a row. So I'm looking forward to getting to know Elizabeth Olsen. Right, let's hear it. Martha. My number one, can't join in, was the duo from Kill List. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, the two buddies, one from England, one from Ireland. Just the dialogue and the, the way they reacted. I really believed they were good mates. And I'm told that it was largely improvised, but they were just so fucking funny. And such good buddies. They work together on screen well for me. Yeah. Absolutely love the kill list you are. I'm going to chuck in a couple of special mentions. Go. Fife from A Tribe Called Quest and Beats, Rhymes and Life. Yep. I've never been a huge Tribe fan because I haven't followed A Tribe Called Quest throughout their career. Even though I'm a huge hip-hop nerd, I've always followed Q-Tip. But i got to say, I'm going to start following Fife if he's done a lot of stuff because he was so fucking cool. And he talks gangster. The whole time. He's real not gangster. He's just a big basketball geek and really, really short. But the way he talks, I wish I could talk about it. So shout out to him. And a cameo I really fucking enjoyed was Knock from Nosferatu. I thought oh, that no. guy was fucking nuts. Yeah. Nice. And he probably would have only fit into a silent film. But yeah, I loved him every time he was on screen. Yeah. So, there you go. Good call, good call. I'm going to jump straight into my top 10 favourite scenes. You might get a bit of bleed here with the other lists we've just made, but there's a couple on here that I needed this list so I can get them out of my system. Okie doke. Number 10, I've got Taxi Driver, the bird's eye exit from the brothel towards the end. That whole thing is that camera just slowly, it's like it's stuck on a track on the ceiling. That's probably exactly how they did it. Yeah. Except it probably wasn't the ceiling. I love that scene so much. I've loved it for many, many years, but I loved it again. Big screen. Number nine, I've got a tie. Both Michelle Williams' gun scenes in Meek's cutoff. <laughs> Number nine, Meek's struggling to reload the gun after spotting the Indian. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm going to fess up and say I wasn't the biggest fan of that film. I had zero qualms with it. It just didn't register that much with me, except for those two scenes. Fucking stunning. Just her fumbling with this gun. She sort of looked like a ninja. She knew what she was doing, but the well, guns were so clumsy. and Yeah, she was just running through it like all jittery but precise at the same time. But her face and stuff, she's so good. Yeah, She's incredible. Uh, number eight, there's another cheat. I chucked in assorted submarine. I loved shoving her into the pond scene with the Matrix camera. Yeah. Teasing him when he got punched in the face by that other kid. There's a bunch of scenes, but I loved most of them. That Patty Considine, wasn't it? Number seven. Sorry, this is all cheats. The two bridge scenes from Coldfish. The first time when he's like mocking him, and the second time when they go into my aforementioned sex scene yeah, in the truck station yeah. wagon. Number six, the last half of 13 Assassins. 13 Assassins. That's almost a cheat, too. 
that 40 minute fight scene yep. was intense and fucking worth a watch on the big screen. Number five, okay, now I'll get serious. There's a scene in Michael, which is a film about a pedophile that focuses strictly on the pedophile himself. He goes cruising for a companion for his kid and he goes, hangs out at the go kart track and talks to some kids trying to work out whose dad's there and who's not. There's a scene where he gets a kid out in the car park that's just. Heart-stopping. It was probably my thriller moment of the fest. Nice, nice. Give us a 10 to 6, bro. Here we go. The Rocky Forest outcrop shootout and let the bullets fly. They run after them all theatrically. The bad guys are hiding out behind trees and behind boulders that are protruding from the land. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. That was a good scene. It was just in amongst this chaos that was that film, there was an Asian pistol shootout. And it I've wasn't forgotten. it wasn't overplayed. They didn't like saturate the colour or anything into it. They didn't go medieval on it. It was kind of cool and refreshing in the middle of that Just film. a well put together scene. Is that yeah. and that's when they really were showing the bird whistles that they had under their tongue or whatever. It felt original and it felt like the dirty dozen type shit, you it know. Did. Yeah, well done. If it wasn't in the middle of that, that film could become a classic based on. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was a film of those dudes. That was a film of up and downs. Anyway, Meg struggling to reload the gun, I said. Coldfish, the opening cooking scene with the microwave. Yeah, food. yeah, yeah. That was punchy. <laughs> the planet crash ending of Melancholia. Yeah. In the Civic. That, that was, was cinematic. That was theatric. That was grandiose. People go, oh, I'll watch it on DVD. I've got a pretty good home theater system. Yeah. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like the end of the world. If you're gonna go and see something at the movies this year, go and see Coldfish, and then after it, sneak out and watch the last five minutes of Melancholia. Last ten, man, you got to build the hype. <laughs> the Turin horse opening giant dolly shot of the horse. It hadn't become. It was a, gorgeous. Even you must agree that the movie hadn't been tamed to that stage. Absolutely, that was tight. no. It was so cinematic. What's your number five? The Taxi Driver Whorehouse Shootout. Just before yeah. mine. Exactly, right. exactly. Just how casual the violence is. Like a bullet hole will just erupt and red blood will spurt out of mm-hmm. it. But there's no action filmness to it. Nobody goes flying backwards or anything like that. The camera's <laughs> not down low and over the shoulder revenge. The camera is always like up and out of the way and watching it. This might be the spoiler part of the show that we, we hinted we may get into, but... He does a pretty crap job, Travis Bickle. Like, for someone who's done so much training, don't you think you could do better? You mean his actual takedown? Yeah. It's really badly executed. I like that about it. I think it's meant to be, mm-hmm. you know... I could do a better revenge job than he did. Like, he'd storm in there like a samurai. And well, he'd hide him. a bit more. Into, he was just out in the open just taking bullets and trying to fire them back. I wonder what he'd, like, taken or something, though, you know? Who knows what state of mind he was in. I thought the portrayal was apt. Yeah. Fucking incredible scene. Yeah. Number four, I'm going with, I'm going to try and be delicate here, a scene in I Saw the Devil with a guillotine being held up by teeth. <laughs> that was absolutely fantastic, where he gets family over to watch. It's so well mean. Put, bro. I adored that scene and him struggling, and you almost could see it on his face like, I want to actually make this. You think you've got me, but I'm going to make this. Yeah. That's my number four. Yeah, I've got when the film changes, when the film turns in 13 Assassins, and the way I've written it is moving walls and fire. It's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap. <laughs> on that first initial explosion, the film turns from road story, background story, training story mm-hmm. group coming together story instantly to fight they start raining down the pain the set erupts into those wooden walls that came flying across look like oh, they yeah. weighed a ton incredible yeah it was real good go I knew I was going to love this before I went in but Michael Shannon's Lions Club meltdown 
Well, the town thinks Michael Shannon's been going slowly crazy for a little while, and then halfway through the movie, he's forced into a like a social dinner with the community at the Lions Club, and he loses his shit, and it's a fucking tour de force acting yeah. masterclass. I love that guy. Absolutely, that's number two for me. I've got the fire and brimstone apocalyptic speech at the oh. luncheon club with the Lions, and he fights with his mate. He's down the floor. He does that kick to the knee, <laughs> and he gets up all pissed off and shit, and like raise his hands in the air the end of the world is nigh <laughs> there was a storm coming like nothing you have ever seen before it yeah. sounds like it's out of fucking masters of the universe or something so and in this tiny little basement cafe with all these people <laughs> sitting on plastic chairs literally he's on his feet with his hands like raised spittle and shit coming out like <laughs> if they didn't think he was mad like he didn't convince anybody he's like no watch I'll be passionate about what I believe and they're like whoa what was your three? Yeah, yeah, my three. It's Troll Hunter on the roof of his car, flashing that giant ah. fucking jot in there with that UV light. His car's like a little matchbox thing. Yeah. Flash, 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 flash. Like, that's his weapon against this huge this troll. Giant-sized, giant-sized troll, yeah. Like, his Jeep is not as big as that dude's toenail. And, and he's yeah. sitting on top playing with, like, a Morse code flashlight. <laughs> That was a real good epic scale, using light as the weapon. You didn't have to have fake <laughs> yeah. explosions and shit. It was the light is because... Trolls turned stone. That was the key part about it. They stuck to mythology, you know. Mm. That uh, Christian blood thing and the UV light to stone thing. Better than any vampires have ever used it. Yeah, the film did so well at sticking to all the... Yeah. That was a good scene, man. My number two, I'll chuck in um, Yellow Sea stakeout scene. Him sitting back, all wordless, him just eating and just watching. Oh, that big black him, hoodie jacket. Yeah, and then he goes to the market and buys a jacket, and he's just jumping around watching what's going on across the road. I'm going to go in and murder this guy. How am I going to do it? And it's on the fifth floor, but fifth floor's locked. On the stairs, all the lights are on sensors, and this one lasts for three seconds, and if I sit on the middle stair, blah, blah, blah. Just the methodical... It was like the mechanic. Yeah, so methodical with no words. That probably went for 15 minutes, that whole segment. Brilliant. I especially enjoyed watching him eat that shit that was way too hot. <laughs> <laughs> that segues nicely into my number one, which is the Yellow Sea, our guy, the dude we follow, Gunam, fighting to escape. He does it multiple times when he gets trapped or cornered in a container or on a boat. <laughs> he uses tiny knifey stabs, really desperate... Like, when he's in a corridor, he fights dramatically and desperately. But when he's trapped and he's just, like, sort of poking people on the wrists mm. and shit. Yeah, that was There's real it, good When, when he's getting out of that crate, he just got an arm free. It's just, like, his wrist is jammed in the door. He pulls a knife, and he's just, like, twisted out. And he's just stabbing. He can only move his hand, like, three centimeters. Exactly. He's fucking, I'll just jab whoever gets in the way. If I get shot in here, that's the end of me. <laughs> yeah. And any use of that knife in that film, actually, it was a good year for... Asian films with bladed weapons. Thoroughly enjoyed. My number one isn't too exciting because you already had it. It was the end of Melancholia, but I've tied it with the first five minutes of Melancholia. Oh, nice. You done. can't really call it a scene. It's uber slow motion and it almost tells the film like an alternate version of the film <laughs> like what's potentially coming yeah yeah i totally wanted when she ran across that golf course i wanted her to sink when it happened in real life that was i think my favorite part of it charlotte gainsbourg is running across a golf course putting green she's carrying a kid and she's sinking each footstep is sinking and it's in when i say running she is so slow like it's been slowed down so much with so much detail it's just gorgeous the first five minutes was to me the best cinema throughout the I didn't even like the film 
but the first five minutes and the last two minutes are well worth your money. Absolutely. Good number one, bro. Even if you think you're not going to enjoy it, you might not, but to see the end of the world, it's worth it. Apparently there's dinosaurs in Tree of Life and the beginning of creation. Fuck it. Make it a double. Watch the tree of life followed by melancholia, <laughs> and you've witnessed the planet. And just to cover up my list, just because I'm so excited about it, I've got a couple more that didn't quite fit on my list. The scene in Martha, Marcy, May, Marlene, this is a tie. The two scenes where they get caught robbing. Uh, the first one when that dude comes downstairs and the guy like flicks on the treadmill so, yep. so he can sneak around the other way. Ninja. And the second one when they're caught in the doorway. That was... Knuckle, it was a documentary about a couple of English slash Welsh slash Irish families that have had a blood feud going for over 50 years and they just have these organized brawls on the back streets. I was very, very fucking impressed, especially towards the first half of the film. Live footage of grown men pummeling the shit out of each other. Live. Sorry. <laughs> With 50 dudes surrounding them who've promised not to step in. I've seen, you know, wrestling. I've seen fucking hard-out Korean shit. I've seen everything under the sun. What I haven't seen is two grown men wanting to kill each other in real life, putting together a meeting two months beforehand with money on the line, like 30,000 pounds and shit on the line. Yep. I bet 30,000 pounds I can beat the shit out of you till you're nearly not breathing. It was tense, bro. Blew me away. A film we totally didn't love, but in The Man From Nowhere, there was a glimpse of Johnny Toe in there. I love my Johnny Toe films. Uh, he got a knock on the door to see if a little girl was in his room, and he tried to pretend he wasn't by pushing a bowl of rice off the table, and he's like stretching his toes back, trying to touch that bowl of rice before he opens the door for the mother. Love that scene. And a shout out to Animation Now once again. There's a dog fight called Paths of Hate. That was incredible. I don't know if you can YouTube it, but if you can find a five-minute animated short called Paths of Hate, it's two dog fighters in the war who will not give up. And it just goes fucking maniac. You can find the trailer online easily. Nice YouTube thing. There you go. Right, man. The moment we've all been waiting for. We may have hinted towards this, but let's see. We're still a bit of a surprise for both of us. Top overall films. Number 10 sneaks in. Day one, I can't remember. Submarine. Ah. Just beat Nosferatu because Nosferatu is clearly 92 years old. <laughs> as glorious as it was, it made number 11. Submarine's number 10. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Absolutely loved it. Number 10, it's a bit of a personal one for me and it might not be so much of a recommendation, but as a cartoon animator, A Cat in Paris. Mainly it's on this list because it was my surprise of the fest. It was a kid's film, an hour long French thing I was going to see because as an animator I wanted to see what they did with the animation techniques or whatever. Fucking loved it. It was joyous. It had a great story. It's not even really a kid's film. It was about like gangsters chasing a, a little girl because she witnessed something. Her mother was the police inspector. Their pet cat hung out with the local cat burglar who was a total fucking ninja. What a fucking celebration of film to me. Ring-a-ding. Number nine for me goes to Coldfish. Yeah. Totally top ten material. Wacky, crazy, dark, comical, serious. It's another one you can't go, oh, it's like. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, like anything. No. Number nine, I'm chucking in tabloid. Jake, you've probably heard on earlier episodes, was trying to con me into being an Errol Morris fan. Like, fuck Michael Moore. Fuck Morgan Spurlock. You know, these documentarians who think they're all that. Ain't shit. Yeah. Errol Morris. Errol Morris is the way to go. I chose out Fog of War and Thin Blue Line. Both pretty good. However, I wasn't sold. I'm not like, wow, he is the best ever. Until. Tabloid won me over. This was real glossy entertainment. It was 
fucking hilarious. Premises, beauty queen or something, beauty pageant winner, is engaged to a Mormon dude. One day, he up and just leaves. He's gone. He's disappeared. She doesn't know what's happened. She hires private investigators. Turns out, he's in London as a Mormon missionary. She goes over, drugs him and kidnaps him at gunpoint, has a three-day love affair with him. Then he escapes and goes back to the Mormon church. She, like, ditches to Canada. She sneaks in as a, in a deaf-mute theater troupe. Like, fucking some, like, a hot or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> she creeps back into America in like boot polish as an Indian like dress and saris and shit. Next thing she's on the headlines, she's cloned her dog with a Korean scientist. Is any of this real? It's all real. It's amazing. And what they do is pretty much point a camera at her and let her go. It's fucking incredible. Nice. All the music's perfect. It flashes up subtitles for comedic purposes. When she says words wrong, it'll like flash it up to just like, yep, she got that right. Oh, that's awesome. You're totally mocking her. You could have just cut that out. But <laughs> yeah. Tabloid. Number eight. I give it to Taxi Driver, actually. At the last huh? minute, I broke my rule, and I dropped in the classic. I was like, where would it go, hypothetically, if it was in there? I liked it more than that. I liked it more than that. Ranking your festival experience. I'm with you, bro. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's why I gave Nosferatu as well. And Nosferatu, mm. the only reason it's an 11, I'll clearly say, is because it had an orchestra. Ah. And the evening itself. Makes a big difference. Taxi Driver was a great screening, man. At the Civic. Hadn't seen it in a long time. It was the number one, too. Had forgotten most of it. It was our first, I mean. Yeah, it was. I think you said it well on our first discussion we had that it's such a great way to like move into the festival it like gets you into festival mode coming out of like harry potter 7b or whatever yeah number eight i'm feeling a little alone on this tyrannosaur i've heard some not so good things about i don't care i really loved it social realism thing peter mullen who most people will probably know from my name is joe some others might know him as yaxley from harry potter he acts as like a violent drunk at first, it's a bit cartoony. He snaps into anger really quickly and then snaps out of it and becomes apologetic really quickly. But the story picks up really quickly when he's hiding out in a Salvation Army store and he meets the lady who runs that shop, the only lady that runs that shop, who, if anyone watches Peep Show, it's Soph, the main girl off Peep Show, and she fucking puts in an effort, man. And it's about both of them are from violent backgrounds and how they get on with each other. There's a kid next door who he doesn't get on with his dad. She's got an abusive husband who's Eddie Marzan. If anyone has seen uh, Disappearance of Alice Creed, he's the freaky dude. <laughs> he's got an awesome smile in this, like an evil, evil smile. Great film. Rugged as fuck. I imagine you disagree with me for my number seven. I'm giving it to Melancholia. No, look, the first five and the last two, <laughs> I'm totally with you. That's no. seven minutes of bliss I had. I did enjoy the whole thing. Not many films give me seven minutes of bliss. I really, really enjoyed it. The wedding dragged a bit and the first part of opening two dragged a bit, but I think I needed that when considering it was bookended by the destruction of the world. Yeah. So <laughs> I forgive it what little flaws it had and I enjoyed it immensely, all the parts. Even Kiefer's role in arc and stuff like that. Her wigging out during the wedding. The wedding was pretty good to watch as well. Pretty enjoyable, pretty car crashy. Not typical Lars von Trier stuff, but the rest of it combined puts it at seven easy. Now I've had time to reflect on it. I like it as little as I did then. However, I've realized it's totally a personal thing because I'm a character guy. 
and Kirsten Dunst's character was... This feels like a I just want to slap film. her and push her off a cliff. And if you're going to have that character in your film, then for me, personally, you need other characters to pull her up. Charlotte Gainsbourg, Kiefer Sutherland, they weren't much better. The only character I adored in it was the mother, played by Charlotte Rampling, I think. So, look, the film is great. I'm sure it is. It must be. Number seven. It's at Corey's number seven. <laughs> Seven, I've got Submarine. Not much more to say about it. I need to watch it again because it just had so many things thrown in the canvas. It was overwhelming, that film. I need to watch it another five times and I'm sure it'll still be way up there. Pretty cool. Number six is given cleanly to The Troll Hunter. That was thoroughly enjoyable. I'm a big fan of, maybe not so much The Blair Witch because I watched that in the cinema and I scared like a little girly man. <laughs> Cloverfield was good. Fuck, it had some fright in it though. But I like that style. Last Exorcism? Yeah. Paranormal like... Activity? Are you a fan of that format? No, I'm saying what I suppose is I was a fan of the format in The Blair Witch Project, but the film scared me mm. because I'm a silk. I like the format in Cloverfield and The Last Exorcist, which is why the format didn't put me off at all on this. In fact, I enjoyed it. So the format combined Wait, with... so Last Exorcism wasn't as scary as Blair Witch? No. Oh, maybe heads of fries. Who knows? Maybe I was extremely tired when I watched it. <laughs> Quite possibly. Middle of the marathon. It was real good. Troll Hunter. I liked the format. It was well worth it. And that hunter made it all. And the trolls made it all. I loved the film as well. It didn't make my list, but I will say it's like a, a tired format because it's so different than every other genre we watch. You've only got five or six in the found footage genre, like Blair Witch and Cloverfield. Easily, I think this is the best one. They've used it so well. There were kids there, man. And yeah. I think that was all right. Yeah, that was fine. And it was perfectly... As long as they can fucking read subtitles. <laughs> yeah, and luckily it was left in the subtitles because that made a big impact as well. I couldn't have handled them being American. I actually enjoyed all the actors in it. Yeah. There wasn't a weak link for me. Number six, and you, I might get an empty beer bottle across the table for this, that I'm putting it so low. Oh, I'm well, going Martha Marcy, May Marlene. That'd be interesting to see what your five are. Yeah, I'm not even going to say why I didn't like it. It's just that I liked other things more, personally. Hey, that's not this, bad, man. That'd this be film. 56 films. Yeah. Out of 62, this is number six. That's a pretty good effort. I absolutely love the way it cut between then and now. It was masterfully done. I imagine it's going to crop up again on this list so let's move on with your number five my number five is meek's cutoff that was ticking all my boxes even when nothing was happening even it was just walking down the road with wagons it was fascinating and beautiful and fascinating <laughs> <laughs> when they were lowering wagons down ropes when they were negotiating with indians when they were scouting for water when the girls were being worried when the men were saying chill out women all of that shit everything about it ending <laughs> Good film. Pretty awesome film, yeah. My number five is A Separation. This thing was breathless. Before the titles came up, it cracked on with husband and wife in divorce court. She's trying to divorce him, and the judge is just like, no, you both have to agree. And he's like, well, I don't agree, but if she wants to, then whatever. And they're just arguing, and it's like it's improvised. It's argument on top of argument. Anyway, then the titles come up, they go home. Wife's moving out. I'm going to move out for a little while. The Alzheimer's granddad lives with them. You've got to go to work. I won't be here. Let's hire a helper. She comes in. He's trying to organize. This is yelling across the room he's yelling to her go and pack your shit you get out or you are you a new person right you get this much now it's just constant 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 the whole movie it's over <laughs> two hours long and this thing is exhausting and the basic premise is i'm trying not to give too much away at one stage the helper who's already quit she has to go and do something else 
He comes home. Granddad is tied to the bed. Like, she had to shoot off. She thought she, that's the safest thing. It's all awesome because she, she's like, he's pissed his pants. And she's like, i got to change him, but God won't let me. I'm not allowed to look at another man. She rings a sin hotline and stuff. Her daughter's like, I won't tell Dad, I promise. Kind of thing. She changes this old guy. But the guy's just like, fuck off, you're fine. Plus, I know you stole their money out my drawer. She's trying to get in to go, I want to prove my innocence. He's like, fuck off. He pushes her out. The next day, she comes back and they're like, they're suing you. She fell down the stairs and had a miscarriage. And they're trying to prove each other wrong on mere words. It's a courtroom drama based on mere words. While well, this guy is in the most stressful few days of his life and he's trying to build his own court case. Oh, man. A separation. Wow. Check it out, man. It's fucking awesome. Number four. Take shelter. Take shelter. I'll let you do all this. Take shelter. Is your number four as well? Hi. High five, bro. That picked the mic out. Echo. Like, <laughs> I've already gushed on Michael Shannon. You take the rest. Take Shelter was incredible. He was incredible. The dreams would segue, well, would sneak in seamlessly. You couldn't tell until he wakes up, you know, his dog's ripping his fucking arm off. Birds were taking him. The sky's goddamn falling. Man, it was fucking intense. <laughs> Building this big thing, and I love watching this construction shit, you know. He's like stopping and buying shipping containers. He thinks he's going crazy. He's doing the best. Ties him with his mother going crazy. The daughter's just hanging in there being deaf and shit. The thing with his mate starts off as just someone who does nothing. His boss ties it in when he fires him at the same time. Sees him at the lion's thing again. The whole story spins on his head and then they go to the beach for summer. Fucking A. What a story. Yeah. Double number four. That's incredible. I'll let you crack on with number three. 13 Assassins. That high? Yeah, man. Cool. 13 Assassins was awesome. That final samurai fight scene. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the final samurai fight movie. <laughs> yeah. The beginning of the intro, the scratchiness. I liked it. I mean, I annoyed a couple of scenes. The girl with all her everything dismembered. Oh, I like that, actually. Her scream. Yeah, number three. Awesome. Uh, my number three, pretty fucking obvious, except it's not number one. Uh, the Yellow Sea. I loved it so much, I went to both screenings. There's a lot of names going on. There's a guy who <laughs> hired a guy who hired a guy guy who hired a guy who hired a guy yeah i was nodding during that so it's hard to understand at the best of times i wasn't at the best of times all i knew was i fucking loved it so i went and saw it again that whole stakeout could have been its own movie then it just goes into over the top action like you said the blues brothers police cars crashing mr muon going fucking awol with a thigh bone and shit yeah what a movie korean gangster films right up there yeah, that was my number two, actually. Number two was the Yellow Sea, absolutely. And for all those reasons, it was the Korean gangster we wanted. From its start on the Mahjong tables in Korea, through to the... You know, he's on that boat going in, then he's on that little black Zodiac boat thing, and he's hooning up to shore. He's stalking him, he's buying the thing, he's eating all that food. He does the grizzly murder, it's perfectly timed. The whole thing goes wrong because he meets the other team. He's got a flea, he's on the boat, he's cutting his hair or whatever the hell it is. He's getting <laughs> changed, he's fleeing from cops and he's diving in and shit. Running up and down mountains, evading dogs, and then next thing you know, Myun's fucking over. He's talking to the dudes on the cell phone. Just when you thought this film couldn't get better, Mion comes back from the beginning. And the whole thing kicks into overdrive awesome. with every single sort of fight. People are going to have problems with it, saying, well, they can't do that, though. Those guys are a bit invincible. They kind of were, but like you said with Harry Potter, because it's wizard on wizard, it makes it okay. Yeah. It sort of cancels it out. And those two are fucking machines. Yeah, Rocky number two, bro. One I haven't mentioned yet. 
because I couldn't pick bits out of it. I just Tough. fucking loved it. Medianeris. Medianeris rocks number two. I've got such a crush on this film. And I'm not even going to try and recommend it to everyone. This is one I'm going to sit in the corner and pet myself. The thing is, it's not a story about a boy and a girl. It's a story about a boy and a story about a girl. And pretty much not even a story. Yeah. Just there's two people who live it in the same a, block. It could be an inner city, super well done doco, fly on the wall type. But it's full of these two who hang out by... By themselves they are semi-artists they do what they want they live very solitary lives they're fucking hilarious they play around on their Macs they live on the internet. They do everything on the... I felt like this film was made for me. Yeah. Almost about me. Once again, I went and saw this twice because it was too good. Thank you, Bill Gosden or Film Fest, whoever it was. I can't tell, but I don't know that this would even made my to see 70. It was the brochure launch. They tossed us free tickets. So we're just like, no, we want to see the brochure. We'll go. And we'd have to watch a dumb movie when we get there. It would have been hard to listen to someone else's recommend as well if they had one. Yeah, true, true. But I went and saw it and I was like, I think I really like that and then give it a week's time i think i may be in love when is it again to make sure i am in love medianeris that's a good film if you don't like it you don't like me not part of my 32 at all i didn't rank there okay, so, 33 yeah well there's only one spot left so if you haven't been paying attention before i named this film i rated my films and blocks and numbers to share them together i've got a bunch of naught films a bunch of ones a bunch of twos a bunch of threes a bunch of fours there's only one film i gave five stars to and it's martha marcy may marlene number one ichiban five star film that film was fucking all it was shaped up to be and more it was absolutely incredible we don't need to ruin it people should be definitely seeing this it's definitely coming out the way it mixes front and back together we've already recorded on it what a stunner it's the Olsen twins little sister she's putting her sisters to shame with John Hawks from Me You and Everyone We Know Deadwood Winter's Bone Eastbound and Down and it's about a girl escaping from a cult and readjusting to new life as well as the cult itself perfectly told perfect mix of its supporting characters number one film let's hear it bro it's Kill List Kill List yeah, I wasn't overly sure at the time because I came out of that thinking, is this my favourite? Heard other people's responses and were like, oh, okay, can't be my favourite. I just sat down and read all my notes from the 62 films I saw. This is my favourite. This gets my favourite acting duo, the funniest moments from any film, comedy or otherwise. This gets my best editing, coolest end, best sound. This thing had scratching and wailing and the sort of semi-abstract stuff that was going on. Like at one scene, they go down into some sewers and stuff and there's all this noise happening. Like a Martha Marcy, when she yells at that bartender and then they give her the pills. And it fades out. And you didn't even really notice there was that noise happening. But once she takes the pills, the noise stops. It's like that sound design all the way through this thing. And the editing was like... <sighs> It's so hard to describe, but let's say someone tries to wake someone up. They shake them, then cut. They're sitting in bed, chatting for three seconds. Cut. Now they're fucking or something. Do you know what I mean? Like, you didn't have to show that full... How long did it take from shaking him awake to fucking? It just cut like this. And you got dialogue from a totally different scene going over the top. Like, it was just so inventive. What do we need? Scoop that in there, scoop that in there. And it was like, I've never seen something jigsawed together so well. Kill list. It starts off at one thing. By the time you get to the end, you're like, how did I come from that? Just go and see Kill List. Thanks, Ant. I wouldn't have picked Martha Marcy as your top, and I'm sure you wouldn't have picked Kill List as my top. No. A couple more I just wanted to chuck in that I wanted desperately to fit into my top ten that couldn't. I saw The Devil, obviously. I did love that. It was just a little bit sluggish for me, so it just dropped out. I snuck that in the 22, yep. Cold Fish was the same. I did love the bizarreness of it, but it was just a bit sluggish. 
Number nine for me. Too much hardcoreness. Yeah. <laughs> Michael, the pedo one, was very unique. Fucking hell, it was such a brash film. Very much liked it. And The Forgiveness of Blood, which I know you didn't rank highly, but I thought it was... Top 20. Maybe because of the idea more than the film itself, but it was just... I fucking loved every second of it. Just didn't have cool characters. But. Good call. The ones that don't quite sneak into my top 10, we've got Nosferatu just missing out, The Turin Horse just missing out, The Future just missing out, and the French action film Point Blank just missing out. The ones that sneak in in the middle are The Sleeping Beauties, Jiro Dreams of Sushi, Terry, I saw the devil in Senna. And the ones that round out the bottom are things like The Giants, The Woman, Attenberg, Winter Vacation, a little bit dull. Winter Vacation, which is bottom three. I loved it. Mm. Who, who are we kidding? It's so much dry face humour. But definitely down the bottom of mine, I'm going to chuck in Woman. And I'm going to put Senna down there. Not because it's a bad film you at were all. Half asleep as well. I just had no interest for me. I wasn't even that tired. Passion might fit in there as well. I was keen to see because John Turturro directed it. The Jesus totally bored me to fucking tears. Yeah, so uh, now we're going to have two guest stars and their top tens and so forth. Jake, who you've met earlier, Nigel's going to shoot off and record him while I'm at work. Good man, Nige. <laughs> and Pat, my flatmate, who I'm sure I've mentioned once or twice, him and his Mrs. Lisa got to 15 films each, I think, over the fest. Good effort. Let's go grab Jake. You might have noticed the acoustics have changed a bit. We're in a concrete bunker. <laughs> in uh. a library. <laughs> um, so basically what we did is we ran through a few top lists. So if you've got a couple of picks for most messed up or bizarre thing you saw on the festival screen, we did gore and just like... Really? Yeah. <laughs> First one that pops to mind, messed up, which I loved, was uh, Last Circus. The dude gets out of hospital after he's been attacked by his girlfriend's actual boyfriend, who's a psychomaniac, and he goes into his whole kind of revenge mode, goes feral, strips off naked, runs into the bush, and finds himself in this bizarre little kind of almost like a well or cave or something. He's lying on the ground, hobbling about. All of a sudden, a stag comes out of nowhere, falls through the roof onto the floor next to him, and then he eats it raw. <laughs> I was so messed up, but that gave me the best laugh-out-loud moment in the festival that I've had. You explained it a lot better than yeah. I did. Other one for me, The Future. The film itself, yeah, it was, it was alright. The first half didn't really grab me. second half kind of got into it a lot more when some of the more absurdist and sort of performance art things came in. But there's a scene where he stops time and essentially he's just sort of standing, <laughs> leaned over. She might have a blanket over, I can't remember, but I think she has. Yeah. And he just has his hand on her head. <laughs> and he stands there for like apparently like days. <laughs> he's getting really tired, but it's so budget lo-fi. But this is him stopping time. That was awesome. Joyce, the subject of tabloid, mm-hmm. just her whole life is messed up. <laughs> but she seems to enjoy it so mm. for the most part who knows what's going on in her head but that's totally messed up violence and stuff obviously there was a whole bunch of stuff going down in the yellow sea that was fantastic mm-hmm. hand axes for Africa people getting slopped by hand axes and then kind of going ah ah you know the stumble stumble oh I'm alright keep running <laughs> I've never been sliced with one maybe it really doesn't hurt that much. <laughs> just made it through the jacket you know it's alright but that's pretty cool we're interested in what your favourite characters were we ran through our Okay, 13 Assassins. Shinzaman Shimada, the main samurai dude who's getting tasked to set 13 up to take yeah. out the shogun's brother-in-law or nephew or whatever he was. Mm-hmm. Him and the other older dude that was kind of sort of semi-lead of the team, they were wicked, like old school, very traditional. And I, what I really liked was their style of fighting was really efficient, clinical. Like yeah, you had the young yeah, guys that had flashy twirling and stuff, but these guys, every time they moved, someone dropped. And True. it was very just brutal and efficient. Good yeah, so I, I like those guys. Again, Joyce from Tabloid. <laughs> just... <laughs> Such a weird, enthralling character. She was, in some parts, so lovely and warm, and in other parts, just weird. 
the duo from Silent Souls. These two guys kind of sparring back and forth Didn't over this one of the guys' dead wife, and it's like this kind of faux cultural tradition they're having about around burial and stuff like that. But one of their cultural customs is that he talks about how much he loved her and physically loved her, and so he's talking about their sex life. This guy they're driving with a dead body in the back, and he well knows that him and the guy he's with, who was an employee, kind of him and his wife had a thing as well. Yeah, it's weird, but it's very nicely done. Nice. And the whole kind of ensemble in Once Upon a Time in Anatolia, there were some great characters, and essentially they each had their own story which was told as kind of like a once upon a time story they each had a little anecdote about themselves which I guess built up the whole feel of the film mm. and together they were almost like a little deadpan comedy crew it wasn't strictly speaking a comedy it had some comedic moments but yeah it was pretty cool as a group no one singular person that's awesome man some great picks I'm glad you threw some stuff in that I haven't seen yeah. Corey hasn't seen uh, and you got any scenes that spring to mind yeah definitely um, probably one that's up there for you guys I'm presuming Michelle Williams loading the gun and makes cut off yeah how awesome was that <laughs> just how long it took beautifully filmed and the process was laborious and you're just thinking if this Indian dude comes back you know the tribe goes <laughs> she's toast the whole lot of them what are they thinking what are these guns going to do nothing but it was so well done so that whole scene was great yeah. the entire opening prelude to Melancholia was just an artistic mind mess number it was one, so yeah. good I tweeted that the price of admission is worth that scene yeah it would probably be the most cinematic thing I saw out yeah. of the whole festival so beautifully done effects sound design everything was just fantastically orchestrated mm. and acts as a prophetic prefiguring for the film and so it sets up everything that's, that's to come as well so it's a yeah. very nice piece the Yellow Sea again good action sequences are great and um, like I said the big action sequence the Assassin's was great but the Yellow Sea Myun so not the main character but the main kind of bad guy I guess well one of the two main bad guys <laughs> he has three or four of these kind of scenes but the one that sticks in my head was when him and his crew turn up in Korea from whatever part of the Chinese border they're in and they're staying in this kind of gang house sort of thing and then they get attacked by this rival gang and he's asleep in his room or whatever and then he hears all these sounds of death coming out he has got nothing on him so he picks up like a used meat bone and goes to town on all those guys until he can finally get a hand axe because obviously guns aren't available in Korea <laughs> and takes out an entire troop and then tracks down their boss <laughs> can't say I've ever seen that before. <laughs> it's very biblical. You know, it's that whole Samson with the jaw of an ass or whatever. So, closing thoughts on my fest? Really good. I really, really enjoyed it. I was very tired in the second week, so I had the nods more often than I've ever had. Same, actually. Which was unfortunate because it meant that I didn't quite get as much out of some of the films as I would have liked. Even in something as visceral as the Yellow Sea, I kind of found myself... I never actually went to sleep. I don't have that issue, but it just doesn't make for nice watching. Yeah. Obviously, there's a few issues with some of the screenings and aspect ratios and all that kind of stuff. I'm lucky I didn't seem to strike many problems with the noise and people talking and all that kind of stuff but overall fantastic program strong program very few kind of duds from my list and a whole lot of really good stuff I'm struggling to narrow it down to a top 5 yeah yeah, just some really good stuff across the board however there are some spectacularly standout films but usually every year there's a film or two usually one if I'm lucky that stands out to me that's kind of slightly surreal bizarre thing you know what I'm talking about yeah, we've yeah. discovered a few things like the Beaver Trilogy American Astronaut they're quirky in a good way slightly offbeat weird films you've never heard of and you may not ever see again unless you track them down those are the two perfect examples that yeah. came to mind yeah. and there wasn't that this year that was a little bit disappointing because that's the kind of thing that you hope you're going to stumble upon but in saying that it was an incredibly strong run overall probably the strongest year that I've had in a while overall yeah so I'm really stoked Festival guys thumbs up great job <laughs> loving it keep it going damn well better you want to run us through from the back what's your uh... okay I'll do top five so from back end it's really hard to kind of make decisions about what goes and what doesn't Martha Marcy May Marlene was a fine for me on the brochure I think 
I had it as kind of halfway down my list was mm. probably going to miss out. Heard a couple of people comment, oh, I think this could be all right. There was the kind of the interesting factor of, which I don't know why it was interesting, but of the girl being an Olsen twin sister, which really, I'm not interested in their work, so why would I be interested in hers? Yeah. But another thing to pique my interest, and I'm glad it did. And that was a fantastically written, fantastically directed, and fantastically acted film. Mm. Really, really got in my head. Very similar kind of tone in some ways, and the way that it got in your head to, say, Keen, Lodge Kerrigan's one, with Damien Lewis about the guy who was kind of paranoid schizophrenic and had lost his daughter or you weren't quite sure. Very much like this, it raised a whole bunch of things that may or may not have happened because you couldn't trust her memory, so to a degree. But yeah, just great tension and really love that. Um, 13 Assassins, best samurai film I've seen on the big screen or epic action scene I've seen on the big screen in a long time. Shot in a classic mode, which is very unmeeker, beautifully framed, beautifully put together right from the opening scene of the guy committing harakiri mm. at the start right through to the massive 40-minute action expose at the end. Really, really well done. Modern influences coming in there, but very held to a very classic line and the characters I mentioned earlier. Yeah. Melancholia, again, I'm still kind of digesting the, uh, the thematics of Von Trier's kind of self-therapy, <laughs> but I really loved it structurally. Visually, one of the most beautiful things to play. Really well put together. I quite like the acting. I really like the mirrored construction of the big party, lots of people, one sister not coping and the other one seeming to kind of hold up trying to hold up for the second set very few people less of a social catastrophe more of a massive natural catastrophe the sister who wasn't coping in the social sphere is now coping with the massive end of the world scenario and the sister who seemed like the strong mm. one before is suddenly the weak one who's not coping I really enjoyed those kind of aspects <laughs> the Silent Souls that was another out of nowhere little Russian piece possibly Ukrainian um, folktale about these two guys burying this guy's wife in a certain way like committing her ashes to the water which is part of their tribal custom except that it's a made up tribe and a made up custom but they play it and apparently the film's presented as if it's real but that's neither here nor there the actual film itself and the way that it's played out is poetry beautifully shot same guy that did The Return Elena which Elena played this year as well not same director but same uh, cinematographer with the director Mm. so it was beautifully shot and framed and just the dialogue and the pace and flow of the film was very poetic it was like slow cinema for beginners because it was only like 75 minutes so it was very doable but it was a nice slow contemplative piece it wasn't even on my radar top for me uh, mixed cut off despite the screening being a bit kind of average again another slow cinema piece Kelly Reichert Michelle Williams a group of people on a trail I love the deconstruction of the western myth and kind of showing rather than the big shoot 'em ups and the, the real drama the massive amounts of drama and tension being leached out of the everyday the fact that there's no water and they got to find some the fact that if an axle breaks on your wagon you're stuffed you know unless you can fix it and everyone has to stop for like you know a day until it can get fixed when they don't know if they've been led off in the wrong direction oh what's going to happen again guns not everyone has a big six shooter <laughs> they've got like these stoke muskets uh, and they haven't even got decent rifles you know but that's probably how it was for the average Joe who didn't have a lot of money mm. yeah so I like that very kind of cinema verite style yeah. applied to like a, a genre film um, yeah, and a historic true. genre film and then there was the female perspective which was really refreshing as well having a strong focus on the woman in the group and, and how they were responding obviously the men were in charge of the group but the women were talking about what was happening and then Michelle Williams character had a much more egalitarian relationship with her husband and so they shared information more and she fed back to him and said look you know she obviously had a strong voice in that yeah, role. Absolutely. I just loved everything about that really the direction I loved the look of it I like the box academy ratio rather than the widescreen which kind of really kind of confined in the edge of the film and showed you to some degree the bigness of the sky but really kind of locked you in to a particular space it was it's quite different kind of feel to it I think visually mm-hmm. yeah. ones that didn't quite make it or almost did Tab 
tabloid so good on so yes, many levels yeah it almost seems like a frivolous laugh but there's a lot of complexity to the human issues going on there and i mean he just makes documentary look easy and really interesting i think of the documentaries i saw this year there were some really interesting ones content wise shockingly made this was fantastic fantastically yeah. made great subject this one seemed like uh, i mean i absolutely adored it don't get me wrong yeah. but it really seemed like a glossy it was entertainment uh, crowd pleasing watch it again outside of the festival we'll, yeah. we'll do it we'll watch it again mm. and um and we'll slow down and have a talk afterwards i reckon because i think there's more to it last circus that was my bizarre hit pick more than some of the other horror things going on or what have you it was like creepy clowns horror channeling gilliam it was fantastic just bizarre kid with the bike dardenne's film it's grown on me as it's gone i, I thought it was a good solid dardenne effort really good had a more optimistic ending than a lot of their other stuff but i really really enjoyed it actually playing out of a restorative justice scenario and it was excellent which is not often what happens in their films um mm-hmm. so i thought that was a new direction for them but also like the same kind of meditation on the kid riding his bike and like Hobo with the shotgun was what its title said to a degree this was what its title said as well <laughs> but with a bit of more drama and shrap around it you know once upon a time in anatolia again a very slow meditative piece and it was all about the tales of the people and their lives leading up to this point as opposed to the murder case that was actually being presented so not a lot happens but you hear a lot about what's mm. happening for people and some beautiful filmmaking and referencing of other great filmmakers love story fantastic Florian yeah I think that makes my top 10 it was awesome oh nice um, it's coming out next week I'll go and see very very cool um, just a fresh kind of take on blending of fiction reality and film and it was so much fun and love events for cinema and for New York and Taxi Driver really enjoyed seeing that on the big screen and The Yellow Sea obviously mm. uh, fantastic probably the best action film outside of 13 Assassins whereas 13 Assassins was the classic thing this was more yeah, modern K action gritty grimy gory lot <laughs> <Yeah>. more comedy <laughs> Going back to your original spreadsheet yep. list, just taking your top five into consideration, yep. would you have been able to pick that? Meeks I would have expected to have been on there. 13 Assassins, because I'd seen it prior, I thought might be up there. Didn't know if it was going to take it, but no, the other ones, total surprise. Uh, Martha Marcy, total surprise. Melancholia, I expected to be interested in it, like I didn't expect to like it so much. Oh, cool. Was there anything on your spreadsheet that you thought, oh, I'm going to love this? Attenberg. Attenberg. Oh, right. I didn't loathe it, <laughs> it to, the to, de- to, to the degree <laughs> that you guys loathe it. It, but that was my top three for sure oh, right. on the strength of, of my thoughts about Dogtooth mm-hmm. nah not at all <laughs> <Cool>. uh, <laughs> some things like Shut Up Little Man I thought that might be you know near the top of my strange sort of yeah. viewing or docu viewing yeah it was alright mm. I preferred Knuckle actually which wasn't a very well made documentary but it was just such an odd subculture yeah. um, and really interesting I think you're right it. there were once again quite a lot of documentaries that were great subject matters and totally enthralling but I don't know if it was good filmmaking so no much. which you know just shows up how great Errol Morris is mm. and and obviously Last Circus was the other one that I perhaps wasn't expecting. I had no expectations around that, it was going to be a clown sort of thing, but it was so fun and weird mm. and, and gross and all. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, Thanks. It's been, it's been fun joining you guys, man. Yeah, it's been Thanks a good, for uh, me. good fest. Now, this time we're in a pool room. In the Banff garage, den, what have you. We're going to speak with Pat now, who was along a number of... How many did you see this year, bro? It was 16 in total this year, so it wasn't uh, too many. I think I'll have to cut out then. I think you said 16 before, and I subtly corrected you 14. Well, you tried Damn. to, but you were wrong. <laughs> That's cool, man. You can leave that in. I love that shit. 16. Right. And Lisa saw everyone as well. She did. I managed to drag her along to you all 16 of them. You might as well call that 32 then and you got double Technically. opinion. What we did, man, is we ran through a couple of top lists before getting to our top 10 movies list or whatever. Like we did, first off, we did most fucked up things we enjoyed. Bizarre or gore-wise. Any spring to mind that you've got? Uh... We were only just what-the-fuck moments. There yeah. are plenty of what-the-fuck moments, but <laughs> I would probably have to say uh, I saw the devil Achilles tendon was one of my faves. Oh, yeah. 16, 
and yeah, see, that's it was a damn good scene, but I cringed during that too much because I'm such a good <laughs> It is one of those scenes that you see and you go, Ooh. yeah, you certainly feel it. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that actually. Thanks, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> no trouble. Uh, the last circus deer coming down into oh, nice eating out deer. That was a great, a great scene. I haven't seen that film, but I think I can even elaborate. We've heard that three times tonight. Is that right? Yeah, it was a Jake and I both said the same thing. So it must have been for the fest. That's a clear winner, man. A deer, it was. a deer walks along. He goes and hides in this hole to hide away from you know everyone. This clown. Yeah, he's sitting in this hole completely naked. And here's something stumbling along up top, and man, bang to the ground. Deer hits. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy just goes in raw. But he's like munching lying there dead with his tongue hanging out. Yeah, and the guy just starts munching on it. It was great. It's just, where did that come from? Exactly. That's a good moment. How about any characters that stood out to you? I cheated and chucked in like uh, ensembles and duos or something. Fair yeah. enough. Any that jumped out at you? Once again, I'm probably have to go the last circus. Ah. Great character. I've got to say, <laughs> what a protagonist. I ain't never seen him in a movie before. That's for sure. He was odd. Definitely. Clown man. He's a heavy hitter. It was a great performance. A, yeah. a great. He goes through a lot of changes. He too. does exactly. Mm. I think one of those performances where you see the multiple changes unfold before your eyes. And then when he kind of becomes the the clown that's on the poster it's wow this guy's fucked <laughs> it's really well developed as well it's mm. not just chop and change you do go for the ride i like that our guy from the yellow sea oh I yeah getting his name which one though the guy with the hatchet come on you got myun or gunam myun Gunam's the, yeah, Gu- yeah, Gunam the dude we follow who's going for his wife that's Mi- right mr myun mr myun but i don't actually know his real name i was trying to be oh, all right clever yeah no, yeah we have no yeah. fucking idea either. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> mr myun yeah that's a good enough mr myun what a guy what a character yeah. you know once again, really well-developed character. Fuck yeah. Yun was awesome. <laughs> Definitely Yun. And, uh, hey, I've even got to say our protagonist in Cold Fish as well. Are you going with the bigger fish store owner or the smaller fish We're store We're going owner? for the smaller fish store owner. We've got to ah. say that. Oh, small fish store. I love the fact that he's, you know, a wimp and uh, he turns into... I'm all about the changing of the characters. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll I totally it forgot his metamorphosis in the second half. Nicely done. <laughs> That's all bases of Cold Fish covered then. That was a generally well-liked film. It was. Yeah. Big store and little store fish owners. I've got to say, another WTF for that one, you know, Know, the bloodbath nearly rape scene. The slipper sliding one. The slipping sliding. <laughs> mm, I want you so bad. Come and make up with me. Yeah, okay. Do you want a shower? If that's your thing, Wipe man, some that's, blood off? That's bound to have a site on the net somewhere for that exact thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great WTF moment. Damn good. Any other characters there, bro? Uh, I like the kids off the giants. Oh, little fucking little shit. Oh, we got a clash. Oh, look. I liked the coming of age story. I liked the uh, kid that got smashed by his brother and the other kids are like, hey, we're all your friends. Okay. You know, that camaraderie ship brought back things of, even in a different language, of my childhood and having your little group of friends causing mayhem. They reminded me of people that had brothers. I never had a brother. You don't need to behave like that. <laughs> fuck those annoying fucks. I just wanted them to get some comeuppance. I wanted those people to come home and beat the tar out of them or something. You know, fucking little shit. <laughs> uh, the movie was kind of beautiful to watch, but they were annoying it for me. And the screening was painful for a beginning. I couldn't get my mind out of that. That's on the bottom three of the 30 I saw? Probably in my top 10. We'll find out shortly. I'm First off let's jump to scenes man give us some damn good scenes hey I don't want to be uh, obvious here but uh, The Last Circus once again 
<laughs> I spot a trend. <laughs> yeah, where he's got those dueling SMGs, and there's that little kid in front of him, and standing there holding it in front of that little kid, almost <laughs> looking like he's packing himself. Is one of my favourites. Um, I'd forgotten that too. A second one that I really liked was Medineris, where they do the description of the dating website. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Using some great imagery. And it's snapping through real quick. Exactly, giving you an impression from the imagery of what basically everyone's thinking when you read these things and dating website. Yeah. Very, very classy. I vaguely recall that. It was a while ago, but yeah, it was damn good editing in that film. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And, and i got to say, the Yellow Sea, room full of knives. Loving it. <laughs> now, there was a couple of those. Was it the room full of knives with the hatchet? Or yeah, the yeah, room yeah. full of knives with the bone? Or yeah. They're all good. <laughs> <laughs> the knife work. Right, man, we should put them on the spot, make them list as top ten. This is going on air. These are public records now. You can never really hang on. Do I get like a David Letterman drum roll? <laughs> we'll our see our iTunes budget doesn't cover <laughs> Tell you what, though, before you jump into it, give us a lead into it. Like, what did you think of this fest? This is the most you... Uh, it's the most I've seen at a fest, yeah. I generally do watch a lot of film. The choices in the brochure and that, were you happy with the year's selection? Or? Hey, look, I think they did well. It seems that they got a good group of people working on it. You know, there's always things that you want to come and that you go hey why didn't that turn up you it's know, pretty good though because you were rooting for Last Circus to come well I tell before, you so. <laughs> exactly <laughs> good. they ticked that off your list for you I wasn't disappointed either so. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like it there's always a few random ones in there that you go well, why yeah 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 I was outraged that outrage didn't come but apparently it was it was subpar Fuck that, they made us watch Battleship Yamato. No <laughs> <laughs> major, no major. Okay, right. man, rip us out. T- uh, I find it really hard to rank movies. It's, it's never pretty. I, I guess I'm, I'm always the optimist. Where mm. I'm always going, okay, well, I can see what I like out of every movie. If I showed you the list that I made five minutes coming in, prior to what I made now trying to change within five minutes okay number ten being The Kid with the Bike mm-hmm. great film I even put Project Nim at number nine. Oh, I thought that was going to be well higher I've uh, heard of monkeys in stoner movies I've never heard of stoner monkeys in documentaries <laughs> uh, yeah that was pretty entertaining man Dr. Lemon from Lemsip and it was a monkey smoking pot actually <laughs> we know that Lisa cried her eyes out when she saw her how about you Nige you're normally a cold hearted man of steel crying it's... tears I got zero uh, joyful tears there were a couple oh, yeah the Twitter sphere was awash with tears after Nim and uh, and then Lisa reported the same with her so I thought oh look it was emotional you, you had an emotional attachment with an animal but mm. all I can say is, is stone Nim smoke now <laughs> I think if Corey would have seen it though after his response to the giants he would have just said fuck someone need to slap that monkey <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> was he naughty little shit was he <laughs> to be fair he was a monkey he's a monkey yeah what do you really expect yeah. fair enough uh, number 8 I've got the giants that's no. not bad that's not bad if you liked it more than those Coming of age story. I was trying to enjoy the film and then the kids would keep being in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that house collapsing in that pond. Well, the, um, the, the, exactly. the cornfield scene nearly made it into my top scenes. Oh, what cool. what, what can I say? There were some good scenes in the Absolutely, movie. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's, it's right, some great yeah. scenes, but regardless, it's only eight. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seven, 13 Assassins. One, one more thing, hang on. Oh, 13 Assassins, good call. Great samurai film. It wasn't extremely accurate. <laughs> it uh, didn't portray the immortals correctly. <laughs> <laughs> there was enough hairy carry and beheadings for my liking. Uh, Cold Fish. Cold Fish, nice, yeah. Great. Number five, Martha Marcy, May Marlene. Oh, fifth, yeah, nice. Well said. Where'd you put it? I had it as sixth. Oh, yeah, yeah, nice. You know, I love the use of the flashback. It was one of the things that really mm-hmm. attracted me to it. They, they did it really well. It was it, really good structure, huh? Something inside of the flashback, snapping her out of it in the real world. Mm-hmm. Exact replica. Great use of in and out. Yep. Or, in some ways, the characters actually seemed slightly out of context, though. You know, she seemed uh, a lot more normal in the commune and a lot more fucked up when she came out. Yeah. <laughs> Like she knew how 
how to behave like a person when she was being abused, but when mm. she was getting treated like a person, she... Uh, but once again, it was a nice transition towards the end in the flashbacks, like when Sally arrived at the commune, you could see now she was totally into the... Exactly. We saw the transition. I think it was That's well true. done. Yeah. The next one being uh, Millionaires. Number four, Millionaires. Number four. Kudos, kudos. Beautiful I film, s- if mate. I haven't said that enough already. I, I might rewatch it. Film. I enjoyed it at the opening, but I never... It was good. It was damn good. Very uncommon, especially well, for what I would consider almost a rom-com. I think me and Nigel get points for that. That was blatantly a big screen Auckland recommend. <laughs> the missus enjoyed it as it well. It was recommended so. to us, so we, we passed it on. It was, it was on nobody's watch list. <laughs> yeah. 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 I seriously don't think I would have picked it if they hadn't just gone, here's a free ticket, please come. Yeah. I fucking loved it. It would have been tough. Yeah, I, before. I, I have a lady that helps pick some movies, as you know, so she probably would have ended up picking something like that. Mm-hmm. But regardless, number three, I saw The Devil. I love a great revenge film. Cool. It wasn't one of my best revenge films, but... Actually, the thing I noticed, though, I think you're the first one out of us to have put I Saw the Devil higher than Coldfish. It was a tough decision. I put it well low, but there was something about that film that didn't sit right with me. I don't know if it was too gore or not. Maybe I should rewatch it. Maybe I was getting a bit um, comparing to the others. But number three, that's... As I said, my list previously had it lower and Coldfish <laughs> higher. Um, Coldfish was actually number two. Ah. Oh, nice. Done. I Saw the Devil was number four. But, you know, as I say... Wow, uh, that is a quick rearrange. <laughs> it is, it is. You've got to try and remember the mood you're in because your memories of it are different to how you felt when you watched it exactly exactly I was trying to remember parts of the movies and that's what I find the most difficult about rating them is I can always find something that I like like that snow scene at the start but I I was too busy watching it and loving the shit of it and then it would get to a part I didn't enjoy and I'd be cringing the hell out of it too on and off to really flow into an enjoyable experience for me but I I could survive it I just really enjoyed the premise behind hey like instead of I want my revenge and I'm going to get through an army of people to kill this guy like most revenge films you know you go after a bad guy who's surrounded by a whole lot of henchmen instead we're just going to track that guy and continuously beat the crap out of him it's and a great just, twist once you've got him in, in a common revenge thing beat the crap out of him and let him go do it again exactly it was trap and release that's great and and it was trap and release revenge I've never seen it done yeah, before uh, yeah I think you're right personally and, and that's why I put it up there it was it was an interesting concept uh, number two being uh, the yellow sea oh, nice. and now I'm fucking talking yeah <laughs> Fantastic characters, great protagonist. I even like when they come into like a new part of the movie, segregating it by chapters. Oh, I forgot very nice that. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Oh, I feel yeah, bad yeah. about putting Coldfish lower now, especially considering how you know you get that <laughs> long, long wait until the intro, and then it finally comes up. You know, it's alright. It's alright. You me. said that you had it too, people. But anyway, the anyway. listeners can average that shit out, and he's thinking, oh, yeah, about three, six, five, two, eight. Yeah, yeah, you covered. Number one, the last circus. The last. Oh, oh last yeah, of course. Nice. Sorry. I didn't say, even see yeah. that coming somehow. <laughs> something about clowns and uh, another good revenge story mm. I'll have to watch The Last Circus and Kill List all on one night and see yeah Last Circus fantastic story I don't think I've had a chat about it and the thing I love most about it man was the colours yeah. it was like uber clown colourful but then real washed out they yeah, really yeah. dried it out it was really good I find one of the other coolest things about it I mean being that it was a non-stop action ride from start to finish there was always something going on what the fuck man I don't even goddamn see this thing it's about washed out colours and shit which I love from Three Kings you're talking about non-stop <laughs> action and stags because even the backstory when they're setting That's him up right, as a kid, kid even that was so race through and it was circus then the war and then exactly. the military come through and exactly it's like now you're fighting pow, for pow, us pow, pow. can That's... I get dressed no you can't here's your machete go <laughs> it was fantastic <laughs> the movie just carried on it was like uh, each time the steps would get further and further and further right up to the final which was hey out there I think you sold it to me really was out there was there a madman logo at the start of it mm. fucking nearly everything did I'm going to say yes yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fuck it but he was responsible in six months I'm sure I'll be able to read this bad boy and there are elements of black comedy throughout the whole thing <laughs> yeah and um you know it's right up my insane clown alley 
<laughs> which is different nice. from the insane clown bossy. Which is cool, man. Nice list. Good times. Can't wait for next year where I'm probably going to see a few more. Maybe Fair. take a week off. Yeah, a week off's the way to do it. The magical recipe to getting bulk films. Thanks, Pat, for coming in. Or us coming to you, whatever the case may be. Hey. This fucking freezing cold garage. Keeps your spirits high. Exactly. Sweet. There was two people's thoughts, as well as our top ten of everything. I think we covered a fair section of the festival. Martha Marcy made my league. Clearly, top winner. Everybody loved it. No, I'm saying that now. I haven't heard these yet, but <laughs> I'm confident. What's on? Outside the fest, the world has continued without us. It's finally caught up. Harry Potter's <laughs> not the only thing out there. <laughs> yeah. On in the multiplexes at the moment, there's quite a bit out. There's Captain America, the first Avenger, which we managed to squeeze in as well. Fucking awesome. Turn me around 180 degrees. I'm my opinion in 3D. I was on the hate wagon i'm on the love wagon yeah that's that's probably the best thing i could say about the film it, it really lacked annoyances and the 3d was used you know some of the best and i'm looking forward to the avengers now because i got faith back in the whole series kudos True. rise of the planet of the apes is on at the moment with james franco i don't normally watch trailers i've seen this i don't know why a dozen times fuck it looks good they have been pushing it in the theater itself this is gonna be awesome i'm looking forward to that uh the tempest is playing down at academy which we've also squeezed in cg heavy helen Mirren. Shakespeare thing. Radically different Shakespeare, I'll call it, yeah. Just quickly, I thought it was a bit hit and miss, but it tried so hard, I, I kind of really dug it. I'm giving it a thoroughly enjoyable. Mm. I'm not sure where that stands on my good, good, <laughs> good scale, but um, <laughs> no, I did thoroughly enjoy it. <laughs> good. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 is still on, obviously. Also on at the moment at Rialto is Pom Presents the Greatest Movie Ever Sold, which was on at the festival, but we snubbed it. Uh, we knew it was getting a release and weren't overly excited anyway. We're not very big Morgan Spurlock fans. Yeah, Super Size Me was okay for its thing. Could have been a really good half hour mm. while he ate himself through a fortnight, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he likes the spotlight on him a bit much. I'll probably watch this at some stage. Not in a cinema run, but I'll catch it. But yeah, if you're into that kind of thing, that's on at Rialto. Yeah. And a couple of I'll probably see without you, I imagine. Let's hear him so I can ridicule them with disgust. Larry Crown. Oh, no, that doesn't look too bad, but that seems like a rent watch with my missus on the couch type movie. Small screen. Written, directed, and starring Tom Hanks. Oh, uh, really? It's also got... He doesn't do that many, actually. Julia Roberts, Cedric the Entertainer, Pam Greer. Pam Greer, nice. Walter White. It's about a dude who gets made redundant, which sounds like company men. Sounds like me. Because we've seen... <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, he's in a post. <laughs> but he goes back to get that college education he never had. And... Oh, he doesn't talk himself into a better job falls for teacher oh okay well never mind then <laughs> but he's like the old guy in the class isn't he? yeah totally it doesn't sound wacky looks all right i totally i'll watch it one day horrible bosses i will avoid like the plague lisa the flatmate and her german friend nadine oh score points watched it and said it was hilarious it was really funny said it was hilarious so i'm not going right it looks like three separate stories about three terrible bosses and a murder consultant who helps these employees thing. But one third of it looks good. It's Jason Bateman getting Jamie Foxx to help him kill Kevin Spacey. That sounds fantastic. That does sound pretty heavy hitting. Yeah. Now on the other end, you've got Jennifer Aniston. Colin Farrell's in it. With He's like got a mean comb over. That looks funny. Don't know whether he'll pull it off. But I don't know. Worth a try. It's a pretty huge cast. You can report back on that. The director's real weird too. He's the guy who made King of Kong and Freakonomics. But he's also been directing on The Office, Community, Parks and Recreation. So I don't know. Weary. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm giving some weight then. Mm. I'm still avoiding like the plague in the cinema because other people will make me kill myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And Bridesmaids still going. Just chuck that out there because I, I really enjoyed that. Nice. And everyone's giving it love. Nearly. Cars too. I haven't caught up with yet. And holy shit, is that still hanging in there? Yeah, I'm fucking glad it's still hanging in there because I need to see that it's Pixar. So yeah, totally. Yeah. This could be your favorite of the year. And Kung Fu Panda too, which I also saw by myself. Strangely, Corey didn't come. 
that one. What do you think of it? Really good. Ooh. A lot better than the first one. Okay. Don't know if I'd go darker in that, but it was certainly more story. Like when you look back, the first one really was a setup. Introducing the characters of the dopey, clumsy panda who couldn't do anything right was really bumbling and annoying. Whereas in this one, he's now a legend kung fu guy. Now they can just get on with it. Oh, okay. And Gary Oldman was this evil peacock who's taking over the city or whatever. He was great. I know you're not a huge fan of voice acting. Like, man, voice is a voice is a voice. Gary Oldman's cool, though. Yeah, some people can really lend something to it. Like, say huh? Seth Rogen's in this or Michelle Yao or Van Damme. They don't really lend much to it. Oh, fuck no. Danny McBride was in it. He was actually terrible. I like Danny McBride. He can go suck a dick. Oh, really? Oh, Making from your, your highness. highness. Fuck right. right. I don't know if I could ever watch He's Bound and Down again. Wow. That's some hatred right there. Yeah. He can go suck a dick. <laughs> Pretty sure he'd say the same to you, so I think it's fair. So that's all what's on at the moment, but also coming up new this week that we give a shit about is Cowboys and Aliens. Ooh, John hot damn. Favreau's new thing with Harrison Ford and Daniel Craig and Sam Rockwell, which is Cowboys and Aliens fighting. Unbeatable combination. I'm You're a lot more excited about this than I. Director of Iron Man, set in the West, Aliens. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm actually getting popcorn. I never buy popcorn at the cinema. This is a popcorn film. I'll break that tradition. You didn't have it for Captain America. What about apes? Nah, nah, it's got to be huge. One every two years gets popcorn. I wouldn't put Cowboys and Aliens above Captain America. Well, certainly not above apes. Oh, yeah, we'll see. We will see. Apes is going to be good, but it doesn't need popcorn. It's not ludicrous. It's going to be gripping and intense. I'll have to lean forward and watch it. Cowboys and Aliens, I'll have to lean back and let it wash over me. Okay. <laughs> Horses and explosions and wrist lasers. Baddies with blue guns. Mm, blue guns, where it's at. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the art houses, we've got three new ones coming out this week. Love Story from Florian Habicht. We missed it the fest. Bill Gosden called it the Night of Nights. He said Love Story was a love fest. Everyone uh, we know spoken to has loved it, I believe. And as you just heard, it was on Jake's. I'll go drag certain someone to that, not Nigel. Why not? Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Should be cool. Also on is Incendies, another one from the film fest. It's Fuck yeah. It's general release. A French lady dies and she sends her two adult kids in her will to the Middle East to find their brother and father that they didn't know were still yep. kicking or existed getting pretty good reviews so. yeah yeah we're definitely gonna drop it in mm. How I Ended This Summer is a Russian two man thriller about a couple of sciencey dudes in a polar station in the Arctic Ocean one's a seasoned veteran the other's a recent graduate and they don't get on that well and uh, things go awry and it turns into a bit of a scrap I saw it at the last festival 2010 regaled it to me I'm hooked gotta go see this mm. so you'll definitely hear a second review about that yeah I'll go and see that again second opinion. There's a 14 there. You might find something of interest in there on the big screens of Auckland. Also, in a week, the Hong Kong Film Fest starts. Uh, there's a couple of Hong Kong actions. I think those are the films I've liked from Hong Kong before, as either the martial arts stuff or the modern day actions. Infernal Affairs, all the Johnny Toe stuff, like Exiled and Breaking News and shit. Yeah, totally. Cops and Robbers. It's got a name for itself. The two that stood out for me were two crime ones. One's called The Stool Pigeon by Dante Lam, who I haven't seen any of his stuff actually yet, but I hear He's a Hong Kong action dude, so nice. I'm looking forward to that. And The Detective 2. Oh, yes. I haven't seen The Detective. Sequel's not necessarily worse. It's a neo-noir mystery thriller. I like the sound of that. But it's by Oxide Pang, who him and his brother, Danny, I think his brother's name, they were the brothers who made The Eye and Storm Warriors and Bangkok Dangerous, the original, and then the Hollywood Nick Cage remake. I'm not a big fan of any of their 
stuff that I've seen. So, not sure about that. And it's starring Aaron Kwok, who was in that dreadful City Under Siege last year. I miss that. So, I don't know. It sounds good, but I don't like the talent behind it. I'll give it a punt. And the other one I was semi-interested in was Treasure Inn, which is the latest costume period thing with characters like Water Dragon Girl and Fire Dragon Girl, and they're looking for the White Jade Goddess. Yeah, I'd spend all weekend doing that as well. <laughs> it was a killer. I had to search for high and low. <laughs> 36 Chambers is getting a big screen screening. Oh, that's right, yeah. Kind of cool. I've seen yeah. it. Uh, Ann Timpson projected that the Western Springs Quarry mm. years ago. My mate's nearly knocked over his umpteen thousand dollar uh, projector with that rugby ball and got told off. Ooh, naughty boys. <laughs> I think I saw it with your sister, actually. I believe so. Bruce Lee biopic, if he's your guy, could be interesting. He's mm. not my guy, so I don't care, really. One plus one, about some granddad's house getting demolished and uh, he has to be evicted and he's sort of explaining to his granddaughter why they run around the city and plant wealth symbol bamboo in cracks to grow. He's a bit of an eco-warrior. No, I just got interested in that. <laughs> but I think I'll pick these pretty randomly. I'm not going to go through the brochure and pencil these in and book schedules. If I happen to catch one at the Hong Kong Film Fest, that'd be kind of cool. We don't get the deals like we did at the New Zealand Film Fest. We should see if our mate that used to run it can recommend us one or not. Who knows? Sure, <laughs> sure. But it's sixteen fifty a ticket each. I don't like those prices, really. And stuff like the 36 Chambers of Shaolin is only playing once and it's 10.30am on Sunday morning. And we'll see if that happens. Are you in the mood for Hong Kong? action films with your mates you want to get a have a bit of a drink and go to the cinema and enjoy yourself while church is on <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's after a night like, oh, you claw oh, your way to the cinema up, yeah. we better, we better Hollywood movies do close. that you never go home you go see a triple feature that's always playing <laughs> like True Romance what an incredible <laughs> yeah, film like... alright catch you later